Kei ngā ihoiho o ngā maunga whakahi, kei ngā wai whakatere tanifa, nau mai ki te hui. Ko mihi ngā rangi tēnei, e mihi atu nei, kia koutou katoa. Welcome to the hui, Māori Current Affairs for all Aotearoa. E taroa kenei. An ancient practice revived after being all but wiped out by the Tōhunga Suppression Act. There's many practitioners now out there that are here for the love of the community to ensure that the whānau has been able to choose either medication or rungoa. We speak to rungoa Māori practitioners concerned by a new bill being introduced to Parliament. Imagine if we've been controlled more. What's going to happen then? Are they going to say what's going to be in that rungoa next? Then he's one of Aotearoa's greatest athletes, carving up the world stage. The desire that I had as a 12-year-old, it hasn't changed. I still desire to be the best that I can possibly be. World champion axeman Jason Wynyard speaks about his health battles as he prepares for another record-breaking title. I couldn't even do everyday things like carry a bag of groceries up the stairs. A new bill set to go before Parliament is causing concern amongst practitioners of traditional Māori medicine. The Therapeutic Products Bill will regulate how pharmaceutical and natural products are manufactured, tested, imported, promoted, supplied and exported. Its aim is to ensure these products are safe and deliver what they promise. But rongoa Māori specialists say the bill overreaches into their traditional practice and are worried it could inhibit their ability to serve whānau. Anei te pūrongo a D'Angelo Martin. Rongoa Māori, a practice that lay dormant for a century. All rongoa practitioners can tell you it's been very hard. 1907 was the, the Tohunga Suppression Act. Around about 2008, it was reintroduced. Restored and now thriving, providing whānau Māori with a natural alternative to Western medicine and treatment. It's a unique practice to us as Māori, within our whānau and our hapū. Each whānau has specific rongoa that is just specific for them. Awhitia Mihaere has been practicing rongoa Māori for more than 20 years, and it's here at Pukematakeo Lookout in the Waitakere Ranges where she comes to harvest her native ingredients. And the rongoa we're going to harvest today is this one, which is the tatara moa. So that's all we need. Kawakawa, tūpakihi and tatara moa are just some of the therapeutic rongoa used by Māori healers. This is the koromiko, it's good for dysentery and it's also good to help move your bowels if you're blocked. Practitioners say there's nothing quite like it and the revival of rongoa Māori is providing relief to the whānau they serve. But they believe their mahi could be under threat. And the Therapeutics Act will stop the future because that's what it's doing. It's stopping practices of great practitioners. The Therapeutic Products Bill aims to provide greater oversight of pharmaceuticals and naturally made health products, regulating and scrutinising their therapeutic claims, 
and that includes Rungoa Māori. It's all about regulations from the time you start to the time you put it into the packet. And it all costs time, money, and it takes away the spirituality of your mahi and also the connection of your Māori to the Māori of the Rungoa. Kia ora! Oh. Afitia says the demand for Māori healers within the hapori has increased over recent years. He gave this as tātara moa, um, and it helps for relaxing the body before we put you up on there. There's many practitioners now out there that are here for the love of the community to ensure that the whānau has been able to choose either medication or rungoa. But practitioners are concerned about the impact the proposed bill could have on rungoa Māori if it's passed into legislation. It's like bringing back the Tohunga Suppression Act on us once again. We're not therapeutics. We are the, just the word on its own does not align with our practice. We're Rungwa practitioners. How does the therapeutic bill potentially affect your mahi as a Rungwa practitioner? Straight away, it tells me that they'll actually try and stop me from doing what I'm doing naturally in my home for, for my whanau. So if I wanted to send some of my tonics that I send out to my whanau during the COVID, I must say, that the Therapeutic Act will try and stamp on me and say, actually, you can't send that kumarahau for lung um, support to your whanau. Afitia is not alone in her concerns. It was discussed at a rungoa wānanga held in Te Papa Ioia last month, where hundreds of Māori healers came together, including the chair of the Aotearoa Rungoa Māori Collective, Charlotte Milden. It's controlling um, what we can do. We're already being controlled. Imagine if we're being controlled more. What's going to happen then? Are they going to say, what's going to be in that rungoa next? What are they going to say, they're, they're outlawed? Rumi rumi? Only massage therapy? While the bill states that rungoa Māori is set to be recognised and protected, Charlotte and other Māori healers say they don't want history to repeat. If the bill goes through these things, mark my word, they'll be outlawed because they don't understand them. They don't understand us. It'll be the watering down of our healing ways. May as well just go and do Western health. Charlotte says some rungoa practitioners are frustrated by the lack of consultation. At the moment, they're only asking one person with one organisation sitting at the table with them doing the decision-making. None of the other healers from other rohe, and we have a right to say what it is that we want for our healing and how, how it goes for each whānau, each hapu. The first hui we had, Charlotte said to me, I'm not here to heal you. I'm here to teach you how to heal yourself. Charlotte believes rungoa Māori should be regulated by those who practise it. We've governed it all these years. Our old people were the ones who passed on that knowledge. They kept it safe so that it wasn't bastardised by non-Māori. The Aotearoa Rungoa Māori Collective has sent a petition to Parliament opposing the inclusion of Rungoa Māori in the bill. That's not OK, what you're trying to do. Under the Tiritu Awaitangi, you know, then Tenuranga Teratanga, under our taonga, Ngao taonga, that belongs to us. And we have um, absolute sovereignty over our healing ways. 
I send off my own specifically for my whanau and specifically for those who know me very well and who say, oh no, I want you know, afetes rungwa. And I believe why that is, is because of all of the ingredients that go in it, which is aroha, you know, which is my, our tikanga practices, which is our takutaku and our karakia. Those are also part of our ingredients. You don't have that in medication. The bill is set to be introduced into Parliament before the end of the year. Whatever the outcome, the practitioners of this ancient mātauranga say they'll continue to serve whānau Māori. I don't believe that practitioners will stop. They'll fight back. And I'll be one of those two. The Hui has received this statement from the Ministry of Health regarding Therapeutic Products Bill. We recognise the importance of rungoa and we have been carefully considering how to recognise and protect rungoa Māori as part of our work on the bill. This has included consulting with Te Kāhui Rungoa, a governance body for rungoa practitioners, Māori clinicians and health providers, and working with our colleagues in Te Akafaiora, the Māori Health Authority. Our vision for the bill is that it protects, promotes and improves individual and community health and enables the delivery of high-quality services that meet the needs of Māori and all New Zealanders. We understand that many people and organisations will want to make a contribution to this important issue. When the bill is introduced to Parliament, there will be a further opportunity for people to have their say at Select Committee. Next, I speak to the Minister of Health, Andrew Little, about the Therapeutic Products Bill. Here now to discuss the aims of the Therapeutic Products Bill and what it means for Rungoa Māori, I'm joined from Te Whanganui Atara by the Minister of Health, Andrew Little, who'll also give us an update on what's happening in his treaty settlement portfolio. Tēnā koe e te minita. Tēnā koe. Kia ora. Hey, what do you hope to achieve um, from this bill? Um, first of all, to a much more modern approach to the way we regulate medicines, um, we've got to keep them safe. But what we learned from COVID as well is that um, when something happens very quickly and new medicines become available quickly, that we've got to be able to respond with that kind of level of urgency. And then just making it sort of more accessible for people and more sensible management of access to medicines, you know, the, the long-standing ones that have been around. Um, so a number of things that, that we need to achieve. It includes rungoa Māori. Uh, who determines what is rungoa Māori and how it should be used? Yeah, so this is um, something I'm looking very much to Te Akafaiora, the Māori Health Authority, to, to be involved in. I think the message that I get is, um, both from rungoa practitioners and from Te Akafaiora, is people want rungoa to be protected in the sense that people who say they are rungoa practitioners um, actually know what they're doing but not to be regulated in, the, in a kind of Pākehā way that, um, uh, that we see with other practices. Um, and in, in the end, we want to achieve the objective of making sure that uh, people are safe with those who, who say they have skills that are about um, caring for them and making them well. Um, but I'm looking to Te Akafaiora to help with the way um, uh practitioners do their work and make sure that people are safe. 
Yeah, I, I mean, absolutely. I think everyone would agree with you that you know Māori uh, practitioners want to be able to continue um, sharing their taonga, centuries-old taonga with their whānau and not being inhibited by um, you know regula regulators who might uh, tell them that they can't do that or can't sell it that way. I guess the issue is the framework around that. How do you ensure mm. that um, we don't have you know something like the Tohunga Suppression Act, uh, t you know, second version of it? Yeah, and we, def we definitely don't want that. We want Rongawa practitioners to be able to get on and do their thing. And, and in, in a sense, you know, there's a lot of stuff that, that you know, wouldn't be easily definable for the purposes of a piece of statutory. But I think that's why we would give the responsibility to Te Akafaura, um to provide some sort of oversight role when it comes to those um, practising Rongawa and, and those receiving uh, the benefits of, um, of Rongawa medicine. Um, just to make sure that um, you know the people are being kept safe, and the main thing is that you know people who claim to be Rongawai practitioners but clearly don't have um, uh, apply the knowledge, uh, don't have a background in it, don't claim to be able to, to do that. Um, it's about making sure that the the practice of it is respected and protected. Yeah, I guess. Okay, can you assure uh, Māori practitioners that when this bill comes into law, that they will still be able to share this taonga with Fano? Absolutely, um, and, and it's interesting to see as I get around even hospitals now, the number of hospitals having a rongawa kind of um, uh, practice available to those you know, those patients who want it. So it will continue to be, and I think we will take a bit of time and work with rongawa practitioners too about what an oversight regime looks like. Very nice pronunciation of that, um, that difficult word sometimes. Let's move to treaty settlements. Ngāti Maniapoto had its third signing last week. It's one of the largest settlements, uh, but like many other like Te here, there is opposition from some hapu. Are you comfortable progressing settlements like this You know, when not all hapu are on board? Yeah, I think it's about um, you know taking taking time to understand what those who are opposing the the redress agreements what it, what their issues are and working with them as much as possible. But you do get to a point where you say, well, actually, at some point, um, all those who are wanting redress and wanting agreement and and wanting to get on, we've got to be able to to get on. So, and I think that the Waitangi Tribunal has made it pretty clear about the Crown's responsibility. It's not about kind of just railroading over folks. It's about listening and hearing and taking time and, and, and providing for hapu in particular who don't want to be part of a settlement but who might want to have been originally uh, to take to, to get out of it. Um, uh, te Upokorehi did that in Whakatohia, uh, um, but they didn't get the votes to come out of it. So Whakatohia has now got the choice of going ahead with their ratification of the deed that's been initialed. So I think, I mean, the approach I think I have taken, which I stand by, is giving a little more time to deal with the, the voices who are saying they're concerned about things and letting that play out, but in the end getting to a point where progress has to be made. Yeah, you step back from the Ngāpuhi settlement, uh, you're entertaining the idea of a framework that potentially you know, might see a six-way settlement. Can you update us on where we're at there? Yeah, so there's, there's, there's two groupings um, that are pretty advanced in terms of um, developing a mandate. They've certainly been dealing with Te Arifati and and good progress is being made there. We're providing some funding to allow the, the mandate to be explored with the groups that they wish to represent. 
there's another um, uh, group of groups, if you like, who are at various different stages of, of engaging between hapu and across hapu, and I think we'll see more groups come together. So my expectation is that certainly by the beginning of next year we'll have um, at least a couple of mandates, I think, formally recognised. Uh, there'll be some well under development. Um, there are some that uh, have got you know, a wee ways to go, a long way to go. And uh, I've just asked Te Arawhiti officials to, to keep working with people, provide information, provide support and, and keep things moving. Um, just picking up on what you said earlier about the therapeutics bill, you talked about oversight uh, from the Māori Health Authority, and I wondered uh, this next uh, kaupapa which some whānau are devastated uh, after Pharmac has, um, you know, will not be pr pr progressing trichafta, the drug that helps extend the life expectancy of those with uh, cystic fibrosis. Is there an opportunity um, for the Māori Health Authority to have its own mini-pharmac, do you think? Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm, I'm not quite sure whether uh, things would go that far. I mean, we've given pharmac the responsibility of being the procurement agency. They look at a range of things. Uh, Te Akawhai Order is now and should be now well engaged with pharmac and its decision-making. You know, when it comes to things like Trikafta, I know that right now there is good engagement going on between the vendor of that treatment, a Vertex, and Pharmac, and we'll kind of see where that goes. I think what came out of the review of Pharmac that came out earlier this year is an expectation that Pharmac does look a little more seriously at rare disorders, and we saw that in the decision last week announced about uh, Spinraza, the funding for Spinraza as a treatment for spinal muscular atrophy. Mm. Um, so I think Pharmac has got that message that they need to do more and they, they should be working with communities on that. Yeah, I, I guess for another example is Pākehā New Zealanders are five times more likely to get melanoma and the drug needed is Keytruda. Um, it's fully funded for melanoma, yet it's not funded for lung cancer, which affects Māori women four times that of Pākehā women. You know, that's not really equitable when you look at it like that. So People might ask, what's the point of the Māori Health Authority having the Māori Health Authority if it can't respond to ethnic data like that? Yeah, I think. I mean, the um, Te Akafaro Māori Health Authority is three months old. They are you know, getting up to speed with a lot of things at the moment, including their engagement with Pharmac. I mean, one of the other things that came out of the review of Pharmac was um, they have to do way better in terms of the equity performance than they have up to now, and they've, they've kind of. Had uh, you know they've talked about doing better on equity, but the performance shows they and haven't. And if they don't, I think when it comes to so, say for example, if mm. they don't in the next two years, would you look at bringing Farmac under you know Farmac for Māori decision making under Te Akafaiora? Uh, well, well, certainly um, even before then, I expect to see Te Akafaiora um, playing a major role, you know, in terms of being consulted over the decisions and being involved in the decision making by Farmac. Um, when it comes to Keytruda for lung cancer, I know that Pharmac right now is looking at um, expanding a range of uh, cancer treatments, especially when it comes to lung cancer. Um, uh, and I expect Te Akawhai Order to be actively involved in those discussions. Tēnā koe e te minita. Kia ora. Uh, ko te minita tērā, mō ngā take haora ko Andrew Little. Hei muri i ngā whakatairanga. Ka tūtake atu ki tētehi o ngā tuki o te au hākena kena Māori.
Auraki mai anō. Champion woodchopper Jason Winyard's career began as a kid growing up in Murupara and hanging out with his dad in the Kaingaro forest. Since then, he's won more than 250 individual titles in the sport. The COVID pandemic and debilitating illness saw Winyard step away from the spotlight, but 2022 saw him return to the ring, more determined than ever to claim his 10th world title in just a few weeks. Rowani Pereira caught up with one of Aotearoa's biggest sporting stars on what could be his final swing of the axe. He's an elite axeman at the top of his game and gunning for a record 10th world championship title. The desire that I had as a 12-year-old, it hasn't changed. I still desire to be the best that I can possibly be. But while Jason Winyard's mental strength is as sharp as ever, the battle now is with his body. At times, it kind of seemed like I may never, ever get the opportunity again. Jason Winyard! The power that comes from Jason Winyard is insane. For more than 30 years, the name Jason Winyard has dominated timber sports. I think I've been involved with the sport so long that the young guys that are in their 20s now I used to compete with their fathers, so it's, uh, it's pretty funny, but they, they show me a lot of respect, and that's pretty cool. Jason Winyard is a legend amongst tennis world athletes. The 48-year-old Axman has travelled the world with the sport and cultivated a global following because of what he can do at speed with a block of wood. I tell you what, Winyard has got so much power behind his swings. Here he is in action, carving up the competition at the World Champs in 2016. It's official, Jason Winyard is the Steel Timber Sports World Champion. But just two years later, his future in the sport looked like it was all but over. I couldn't even do everyday things like carry a bag of groceries upstairs. I, I couldn't even walk upstairs, so it was it was pretty bad. And uh, I'm terrible because I downplay things, but it was really bad. Three decades at the top of competitive wood chopping has wrecked Jason's body. The intensity of the sport has resulted in Jason battling back and shoulder injuries and crippling osteoarthritis in his right hip. As soon as you open your eyes, You've just got this horrible pain that's deep down in, inside your hip, and it just doesn't go away. But even though he hit rock bottom, Jason refused to give up on the sport he loves. In 2020, he took a chance on stem cell treatment and potentially risky surgery. I remember going under with the surgeon, and he says to me, look, you realise that if we get in there and the bone's not dense enough, uh, we're going to have to do a full hip replacement, which would have meant that would have meant the end of my wood chopping. I woke up out of the anaesthetic and the best thing I heard from the surgeon was we were able to do your resurfacing and that was just like, oh man, I'm so happy. And then I knew I could possibly make a comeback after that. And he's gone from barely being able to walk to now smashing his personal best. Now I have a, a three day a week heavy gym session. 
combined with my weekend work on the wood chopping. And I've got to really be careful because I tend to overtrain and then run myself into illness. And I'm feeling really good right now, so I'm going to have to really stick to the program. Jason's father, Pai Winyard, was also considered one of the sport's greatest in his time. I took up wood chopping because of Dad, watching Dad compete when I was young and just wanted to be like Dad, you know, wanted to be as good as Dad. And it was really hard uh, losing him because he was always the one I could go to and say, oh, look, Dad, I'm having trouble with this. What do you think? He, he was so strong in everything he did and he made you believe that you could do anything because there was nothing he couldn't do. I kind of wish he had been able to see the New Year's honour that I received because I was really, really proud to win that and he would have been really proud too. Jason Winyard getting into his work now. Like his dad, Jason has incredible determination, clawing his way back into contention at the Timber Sports National Championships in March. And that, as they say, is how it's done. Jason Winyard, everyone our national champion for 2022, it is Jason Winyard. Jason's back on the winner's podium, looking like he'd never been away. The journey's been a tough one, and uh, today was really tough. And things were about to get tougher. Just before his next competition in Sydney, Jason, an asthmatic, was dealt another blow, COVID-19 which led to a lacklustre performance and a major setback to his training. Catching a disease that affects your cardiovascular system right before that contest was, was definitely not ideal. I went back to zero with my fitness almost, so that was really frustrating for me. But I'm pretty determined. I just kept working and put some good people around me, so I think that's helped my cause a lot. One of those people is close friend and former national selector, Terry Honick. Training going all right? Who's known Jason since he was a teenager. How remarkable is it that he's made this comeback after three years in the wilderness? Um, he's done amazingly well to come back. It's a credit to himself, first and foremost, the amount of dedication that he puts into his sport. He's a beautiful role model for young Māori and for other New Zealanders. Aotearoa's top axeman has unfinished business. He says the upcoming World Championship in Sweden is probably his last crack at a record-breaking title. What do you think his chances are for a 10th world title? He's won more than anyone else, uh, so you'd never, you'd never write that off. And he knows what it's like to go overseas amongst the best in the world and win that. So I, I think his chances are right up there. All I can do is put the best of myself out there and, and give myself the best chance. Hey, I have an opportunity, I have the drive, I know what to do. All the pieces are in place and I will give it my best. Kia kaha karawhiua. Nā Rawane Pereira tērā pūrongo. Ko hikina te hui e huama, nō oro mai.
nā te puna whakatongarewa te hui i tautoko.